Our text is found in Mark chapter 14 as our children leave for Children's Church this morning. If you'd like to whisper a prayer for me this morning, uh, please do. I could preach at the Coliseum in Los Angeles in front of 100,000 people and not be nervous. But when I do the Lord's Supper, as when I officiate over that, I am a nervous wreck because I am so, it is the most important thing that we do. And I am always so afraid that I'm going to mess it up. And then I'll have to hear about it all afternoon when I get home. So you pray about it. Pray for me as we as we lead up to that place. Anybody in our congregation going through any significant change in life right now? Anyone um, that's your life is just uh, all of a sudden kind of turned on a dime? You you things that you weren't expecting or things that you had been expecting, and things have have changed. I look and I I see the Bass family and the change that they're going through with the deployment. And uh, we pray for them daily. I see the Benefield family who moved into a new community that's not a new community. But And then I see others. I, I see the Reese's who've recently had a grandchild. And, and I see so many people in our congregation where there's just significant change. Um, I have gone through two significant changes just in the last couple of weeks. And both of them have completely caught me by surprise. One was one that um, really caught me by surprise. When I pulled, when I left out of the parking lot a couple of uh, Saturday mornings ago or Friday morning ago at 2 o'clock in the morning, headed to the Atlanta airport to fly to Nicaragua to go on a mission trip, when I sat down there on that seat, I would have told you that this would be my last international trip for a couple of years, that God had called me here to completely focus on Piedmont, and that's where my focus needed to be. I needed to come back, and I needed to hit the ground running um, and doing things here and, and more here. But the more time that I was there in Nicaragua, the more that the Lord began to speak to me as we were doing missions there, and the more the Lord would say to me, this should be happening in Piedmont. Exactly what you're doing here is exactly what I called you to do in Piedmont. Go back to Piedmont and do it. And as he began, as the week went through, he began to reveal to me, I'm not finished teaching you things here yet. You are going to come back and you're going to learn even more because everything that you learn here translates back home. And so you've got to come back. So... This Tuesday morning, I will sit on a, on a conference call with Omar Alvarado, our, our representative there in Chinandega, Nicaragua, and we will talk about expand more opportunities. We've grown from having one church that we are working with to having three churches that we're working with there now, and the opportunities for us to be there are greater. So we're going to talk about a medical mission team uh, on Tuesday, um, taking a group back to, to do medical missions. We're going to talk about myself going back individually and doing a pastor's conference for pastors in that specific area of Nicaragua. We're going to talk about something that really um, God just um, began to open our eyes to while we were there. We're going to talk about doing a sports, mini uh, a sports ministry there. Um, there are just dozens of baseball fields there in Nicaragua and doing a uh, in the area where we serve and doing a sports ministry there for the young high school and college age men there 
pulling them in and teaching them more about what it means to be a godly man. So God completely flipped my heart and changed everything about that. So about what I was thinking there. Mickey and I coveted this, covenanted this morning that Bree's going to get on. Uh, Bree's going to get on a plane and go with us here before long. We're 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 just we're we're claiming that that she's going to be completely well and she's going to go with us. Um, I'm I want Brother Philip when. When Brother Philip offered us this opportunity, he said, I want to make sure that every person in our congregation has the opportunity someday to do international missions. So that dream is still alive. So God changed that in my heart. Now, that's not something that I was looking forward to, but he changed it, and now it's something that I'm very excited about. There's been something that I've been looking forward to for several years that is changing this week. And I, I, have been, um, I have been saying to my children since the day that they could understand me, I am raising you to leave this house. And I, I was serious. I am raising you to leave. You, I don't, you know, I want you to mature and grow and go and, and move and go. And yesterday, well, Friday night, it began to hit me. Grayson cooked for us. And we had a meal together. Some of Grace's friends came over, and I realized they're all about to scatter, all going to different schools. Some of them have already started to scatter. Some of them are going to other places. And Grayson is moving out within the week. And, and that began to sink into me. And so I got up Saturday morning, and we began to buy things for Grayson to move. And we began to talk about taking beds out and moving all these things. And I got this sense of, of sadness all of a sudden I've been I've been waiting on that room to be empty all these years and now there's just this sense of sadness and then I got to thinking about also um, at the same time I got thinking about this this year this will be the first August since 2001 that I haven't had a kid to take and drop off to school somewhere and so Bryson just happened to walk through the living room while I was going through all these emotions. I've got tears in my eyes. I'm about to bust out crying. He walks through the living room, and I just grab hold of him and grab him and squeeze him. And I start telling him how much I love him, and he's like, he's looking at me like, what's wrong, Daddy? <laughs> and I, I knew he didn't understand, so, um, but I had been looking for it because in all these years, I've been thinking, boy, when I don't have somebody to take to school, I'm going to have that time freed up. I can get to the church earlier. When I don't have uh, kids to take uh, you know, I, all this free time, and now I told some of the deacons this morning, I feel more useless than I do free. But change happens that way. Sometimes some things that we're looking forward to and we think are going to be such great events, they get there, and they're not really what we thought they were going to be. There's a change that happens here in these scriptures. In Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 25, Jesus institutes a change that not only changes religion, it changes history. And the people who had been looking forward to this change since Exodus chapter 12, suddenly this change is here, and it's completely different than what they thought it was going to be. And now they can't accept it. And they won't accept it. And they refuse it and reject it. 
and it causes them great pain since that moment up until this present time. Let's read these verses together as Jesus gives the institution of the Lord's Supper. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is prepared, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Now what they're celebrating here is what we call the Passover feast or what the Jewish people call the Passover feast. It's a celebration of the end of Jewish slavery and the beginning of the exodus of, uh, out of Egypt into the, the heading to the promised land. There, as they instituted this Passover meal, they launched a new faith there together. The Jewish community launched a new faith. That meal in Exodus 12 was eaten home by home, family by family, and now when Jews take part in a Passover meal, they're looking back to that event in Egypt thousands of years ago. They're looking backwards to what happened there that night in Egypt. Now, as 21st Christians, 21st century Christians, we sometimes overlook or forget the Jewishness of Jesus. Jesus born from the lineage of David, born into a Jewish household, born and taught the, the, the Torah, taught all the ways of, of the Jews. Um, we look at the New Testament and we see that its authorship and cultural background are Jewish. The beginning scenes of the New Testament are centered in the land of Israel, which is then called Palestine at the, same, at the time of the Second Temple. Even as the focus widens from this original setting, the action takes place primarily among Jewish communities in these areas. The New Testament writers, with the exception of Luke, were all born Jews. The early apostles and followers of Jesus were all born Jews. And the basic theme of the New Testament is uniquely a Jewish one. It is the fulfillment of the Messianic hope. It is the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament said about the Messiah who would come is all fulfilled there in the four Gospels in the life of Jesus. We even see early in the Gospel of Matthew as these three Gentile wise men come seeking to worship Jesus. They say that he, they, they call this promised deliverer the king of the Jews. Paul even goes as far as to state in Romans 1.16 that uh, as he expresses his salvation he said that the salvation that Jesus brought was to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles so you see that Jesus came for this Jewish nation he came for these people to fulfill all the promises that had had been made in the Old Testament and now he's here to fulfill those promises so it's only fitting and natural that we would find him Jesus here in the upper room as the presider over a Passover feast. Now, this Passover is the first and most important 
of three annual feasts that will happen in the Jewish religion. As I said, it commemorates the final plague on Egypt when the firstborn of all the Egyptians died, but the Israelites were spared because of the blood that was found on the doorpost, the blood of a lamb that was smeared there. So a large crowd has gathered in Jerusalem during this Passover event. This is the last meal that Jesus will take uh, before his crucifixion. This is the last time that he will be together with all of his disciples before his crucifixion, besides the point there at the garden. It is the high point of the Bible. It is the central issue in all of history. It's found right here in these passages. Everything up to this point has been pointing up to the events of the next several hours. The betrayal, the arrest, the crucifixion, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ all have to begin right here at this moment. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, He who would learn to serve must first learn to think little of himself. Jesus has already served his disciples by washing their feet, and now he continues to serve them as he institutes what we call the Last Supper, which really could be called the First Supper as it happens here because Jeremiah had predicted what would happen here in Jeremiah chapter 31 when he said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. Before they had the law on stone tablets. Now God is saying there will come a day when I will write my name on their hearts. And it will become very personal. I will put my law within them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Now, there's only one way that this can happen. What Jeremiah is saying here, there's only one way that it can happen. Some individual has to come and be the fulfillment of all these prophecies. Jesus is the one who comes. Jesus is the Messiah. He is the hope, just as we sang just a, a few minutes ago. It is Jesus who came to fulfill all those things that were broken in the old covenant that God had made with them there the night of the Exodus. And now Jesus comes and he's the fulfillment of all those prophecies and he's their hope and he will replace this broken covenant. The Passover meal is the perfect occasion for this all to be instituted because it includes four points at which Jesus, taking a glass, would get up and explain the meaning of the feast. These four cups would represent the four promises that God made in Exodus chapter 6 to rescue them from Egypt, for freedom from slavery, for redemption by God's power, 
and for a renewed relationship with God. The third cup comes at a point at the end of the meal that these men are taking part of together. And I believe this is where Jesus is in the scriptures here in verse number 23. Now, the Passover meal is going along as usual when all of a sudden Jesus stops the tradition that they normally enter into here and changes everything. Because in verse number 23, he will say this. They took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. No one has ever said that at a Passover meal before. Jesus is the first person who ever said, This is my blood which is going to be poured out for many. This had to be a startling revelation to those men who are sitting there. And they're still, they're very puzzled by what Jesus is saying. Then he takes the bread and he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body. And, and all of a sudden, all these images are going through their mind. But what they don't realize is that Jesus is now about to become the suffering servant of the Lord that Isaiah describes in Isaiah 55 and 12. Jesus told his disciples, then he says to them, every time from this point on when you gather together to commemorate this, you're not looking back to Egypt, you're looking forward to my return. Everything has changed now at this point. He, he specifically tells them it is a whole new faith. It is a whole new situation. We're no longer looking backwards. Now we're looking forward. And so as he changes all this, it's impossible to say, it's impossible to realize how shocking these words were to these people who are sitting there listening to him. They have heard him say some pretty incredible things over the past three and a half years. But nothing nearly as incredible as this, as he says, this covenant, this thing that we have always done is no more. And everything now is new because of what I am about to do, not only for you, but for everyone who will live from this point on, will have the opportunity to be a part of this covenant. Jesus' request to them must have sounded insane unless, unless he really is the Messiah. Unless he really is the true Son of God. Now Jesus uh, goes and he brings things to a close. There have been four cups. He's gone through the first two before the meal with them, telling them what these two cups meant as far as the, the nation of Israel leaving Egypt. He comes to the third cup and he partakes of it with them and he changes its meaning. And now he says something, he goes even further about the fourth cup. 
He says, truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. He sets aside the fourth cup that they normally would partake of after the meal. And he says, I'm not going to partake of this again until I partake of it new someday in the kingdom of God. Now, we said the Jews are looking, when, when they observe the Passover today, the Jews are looking back on a broken covenant that's thousands of years old. When we as Christians in a few moments, when we observe the Lord's Supper together, we are looking forward to Jesus Christ's return, and then we are looking even further beyond that to being with Him someday in His kingdom and being a part of that for eternity. Now, I want to tell you something. I looked all morning for a big, beautiful cup here in this church and couldn't find one. I'm going to buy one tomorrow for future reference. But he took those first three cups with those, those disciples there. And he said, I'm not going to drink this fourth cup until someday I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Guess what? Tell me, choir. We're going to drink that cup with him. They, they weren't quick enough. We are going to be there with him in eternity someday as he takes that fourth cup there and re go read Revelation chapter 19, the marriage supper of the Lamb. We will be there and we will partake of eternity with him. We will be there with him. I want you this afternoon, I want you to promise me you'll do this. Go and... Well, Doggone it, you won't do it, so let's do it now. Revelation chapter 19 says this, beginning in verse number 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of, my, of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride, which is us, has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I have an invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. It is sealed in my heart. It is written on my heart. There's a lot of places that I can't get into on this earth. There's a lot of places that won't accept me here on this earth. But I am someday going to the greatest event that will ever be the marriage supper of the Lamb when Jesus Christ, who would later on in a few hours, would bow before God and He would beg and He would say, if this cup can be taken from me, please take it from me, but not my will but your will. And he did that at that moment to ensure that someday I would be able to be with him in eternity. 
and that I would be there with those of you who have repented of your sins, given your life to Christ, that we would be there together, that we would be there as the bride of Christ, made pure by the blood that he would shed, as he said, this is my blood that will be poured out for many. I am made pure by that blood that was shed. No other way. You could follow me around all day and you could look at me and you could find a hundred faults. When God looks at me, he looks at me through the lens of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his life for me. And someday I will be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb when Jesus takes this final promised cup and he raises it and he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know if that's what he'll I don't know what he'll say. I'm not there yet. But I, I want you to think about this. John is writing in John chapter 19, John is writing at an event. He saw you there. Think about that. In John chapter 19, he's writing it about an event where you are. Does that blow your mind? It blows my mind. John the Revelator saw me sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he didn't get on to me about eating all the rum raisin ice cream like you people do. Man, I am so ready to be there. But let me tell you this, until I get there, he's given me work to do. He's given me a call on my life. And not just me, but he's given every single one of you sitting here this morning, he's put a call on your life. And he is saying to you, the time is running. Jesus said to do this in memory of me until my return. His return can't be that long. Look at this world, it can't be that long. So get busy doing what it is he called you to do and do it as much and as often as you can. Are y'all excited? Hey, I may sing. Listen, we're waiting on that cup. Jesus went and drank to the last drop the cup of God's wrath and justice that was meant for us, but was poured out on Him. And apart from it, no cup of blessing will be possible. And as He instituted this, another new faith community was established. I asked Micah earlier this week if he knew this song, and he got to thinking about it, and he said, yeah, matter of fact, they sing it at our wedding. But it's a song called Twi- by Twyla Paris, written in 1991. I wasn't a Christian then, so I missed this song. I'm not going to sing it, but it's, it's, it's sung in observance of the Lord's Supper. And this is, these are Twyla Paris' words. And I know that Kelly knows this song well, but it says, How beautiful the hands that serve. 
the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. How beautiful the feet that walk the long dusty roads and the hills to the cross. How beautiful, how beautiful is the body of Christ. How beautiful the heart that bled, that took all of my son, all of my sin and bore it instead. How beautiful the tender eyes that chose to forgive and never despise. How beautiful the radiant bride, talking about us, who waits for her groom with his light in her eyes. How beautiful when humble hearts give the fruit of pure lives so that others may live. How beautiful the feet that bring the sound of good news and the love of the king. How beautiful the hands that serve the wine and the bread and the sons of the earth. Do you know Jesus? Not, not here in your head. Right here in your soul. Have you repented of your sins? Because he bore your sins on a cross at Calvary. He took the wrath that was intended for you. And he took it on himself. Have you bowed your knee to him and said please forgive me? Have you repented and said I'm, I'm not going to chase those sins anymore? But I'm going to chase you, Jesus. Have you? What are you waiting for? Jesus is beckoning to you. God's Holy Spirit is speaking and pointing you to Jesus. And I want to, I want to beg you this morning to come and to meet me here in this altar. There'll be others here who would be glad to meet you and explain to you and show you through Scripture how to become forgiven of your sins and know that someday you'll have an invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb when all of eternity will begin. Why would you wait? I've had so many people in the past month tell me later, later. I've had them tell me that in Spanish. I've had them tell me that in English. Why would you wait? Why? This invitation is for those who need to know Christ as their Savior. Before we go into the taking of the Lord's Supper, it is also here for you if you want to commemorate in your heart and thank God for what He did for you there on that cross before you take of His body and His blood. And this invitation is also for you to come and to pray and to thank Him and to... Relieve yourself from any sin that you may be carrying in your life right now. If you have a decision to share with us about baptism or church membership, this is also the time to do that. But this is a sacred moment. And I ask that you would treat it as such. And I ask that you would know that all eternity hinges on this for someone this morning. Would you stand, Father? We pray and we thank you. And we beg your forgiveness for how we may have trampled the body or the blood, how our lives may not have reflected you. And we thank you for how you've forgiven us. Father, there is someone here this morning who needs to know Christ as their Savior. I pray that you would bring them here and that they could immediately follow and partake of the Lord's Supper for the first time 
knowing the true meaning of a broken body and shed blood for our sins. Maybe there are those who need to come and reflect on what we're about to do, who just need to give you thanks, or who need to confess sin, where they're standing or here in this altar, whatever they need to do, Lord, be with them. In Jesus' name, Michael Leaders.